0: It's foolishness to be in rebellion against God, and it's even more foolishness to be in rebellion against God when your pastor's up here pleading with you to turn around. I love you all enough to say, hey, listen, you got to change directions. And listen, repentance is not just a one-time thing. Sure, we repent one time unto salvation. We call that repentance unto justification, which is the very first time you say, God, I'm turning from my own life, and I'm turning to you and putting my faith and trust in Jesus.
1: If you're not sure that you want to follow God's instructions, whatever they are, then don't pray. Today, Pastor Daniel will exhort us to pray and to pray specifically. In fervent prayer, God will use us and we can change the world. But we have to be available because there's a lot of work to do. Listen, as Moses follows God's commandments, even when it's difficult. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled The Plagues.
0: said to Moses Pharaoh's heart is hard he refuses to let the people go go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him and the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand and you shall say to him the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you saying let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness but indeed until now you would not hear Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all the pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so Just as the Lord commanded, so he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Now... Which God is this going? It's obviously we're talking about the Nile River. And Happy was H-A-P-I, also called Apis, A-P-I-S, was the bull God of the Nile. And Isis was also the goddess of the Nile. And one other God that was worshipped, a God named Khnum K-H-N-U-M, was the ram God, which was the guardian of the Nile. So we have Happy, Isis, and Tenum were all commonly worshipped in Egypt. And now we're seeing Yahweh come and strike right away, strike the river Nile. Now, notice what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. See that? You get it right there in verse 17. By this you'll know. This is how you'll know. This water is going to become blood. Now remember, what was Moses asked to do? Go visit him in the morning when he goes out to the river. And you want to say to him, let my people go. Again, he's giving another opportunity. Another opportunity to amend their ways. He said, but he's not going to do it. Stretch out that rod that I asked you to bring. Now, it's interesting. The water turned to blood. There's some divine irony there. They shed innocent blood by the Nile, right? Remember the children in, in chapter 1 were given to be exposed on the river Nile. There was blood throughout all of Egypt. What's interesting is this is a lesser plague than what's going to happen with the death of the firstborn. See all the irony in that? What this teaches us is this. This teaches us that God oftentimes, when he's beginning to allow the, the reaping of what we've sown, oftentimes will do it in a lesser way with the hope that we'll repent before he gives a full-blown judgment. He does it more subtly, less harmfully in the beginning, so that we would change and amend our ways. And we have to ask ourselves, is there anything that we're doing that we know is wrong, but we're still doing it, and we're already seeing the beginnings of these? We're seeing God giving an opportunity by bringing some sort of issue that isn't a full-blown calamity but you know why it's happening. See, oftentimes, Pastor Bill said it in a message about, it must have been two months ago now, and one of his points was, we fail to think consequentially. And I, I remember when he wrote that, I just wrote it down, I tweeted it, I texted it to myself, because I'm like, you know, that's a big problem. Oftentimes, we're making decisions, and we're failing to think consequentially. We're failing to think, if I continue down this road, it is going to end up here. And oftentimes, before we get to the full-blown calamity, there's all sorts of markers along the way. That it's something is going wrong, and all we need to do is turn around and we're going to avert the calamity, but yet we ignore the markers. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're here today and I'm sharing this, and I'm saying, hey, be on the lookout for things you know that is wrong, that is disobedient, and you're starting to see those markers... You need to heed those markers. And you need to turn. The first word of the gospel is the word what? Repent. Repent is a biblical word. It simply means to turn around. It means you're trying to go to California on I-5 and you realize that you just passed Longview. Right? From here, you're going north. You need to go south. When you realize you're going the wrong direction, what do you do? You get off at the next exit, you go under or over the highway, and you go the other way. That's repentance. That's what it means. It literally means just to change directions. I'm heading this way. I decide I'm going to turn from the way that I'm going, which is a way of rebellion, and I'm going to turn around. I'm going to come back to the way God is pointing. So brothers and sisters, if you're in here today, don't think it's by chance. Don't think we're studying the plagues by chance. It's just the next section where we left off. If you are in rebellion and they are the beginning earmarks of God bringing to pass calamity in your life because of your decisions, then stop today and turn around. It's foolishness to be in rebellion against God, and it's even more foolishness to be in rebellion against God when your pastor's up here pleading with you to turn around. I love you all enough to say, hey, listen, you've got to change directions. And listen, repentance is not just a one-time thing. Sure, we repent one time unto salvation. We call that repentance unto justification, which is the very first time you say, God, I'm turning from my own life, and I'm turning to you and putting my faith and trust in Jesus. That's repentance unto justification. It's the one time you have to do it. And at that juncture, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the Christian life, is it begins with that, And it ends with that, but every single day we do what we call repentance unto sanctification. Which means every single day we say, God, I need to turn away from that, I need to turn to you. Because I've been justified, now I want to keep following you. Because every one of us, every single minute of our life, we're tempted with a million things. There's a million slight variations off of that path. And so every single day we have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm turning away from my frustration. I'm turning away from my anger. I'm turning away from my bitterness. I'm turning away from my negative thought life. I'm turning away from my lust. Whatever your thing is, every single day, we turn away. And as we turn away, we're turning away unto sanctification, which means that word, it's a biblical word. It means the, the process of being set apart, the process of being made holy. And holiness comes by following Jesus every day. Keep turning from ourselves to the Lord, from ourselves to the Lord. So if you're here today, you should be repentant every day. Every single day. You should find yourself saying, God, I'm going to turn from that and turn to you. Repentance unto sanctification. So for some of us, we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We love the Lord, but we're kind of getting a little bit off track. Our compass is a little skewed. It's a little skewed. So we have to turn back, turn around, turn to the Lord. We've left our first love. We need to turn around. We've recognized it. We need to repent and we need to return and we need to rejoice. Now, rivers becoming blood in the book of Revelation, you find it in both the second trumpet judgment Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and the third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And then, as it escalates, the third bowl judgment, Revelation chapter 16, verses 4 to 6 Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angels of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Okay. So the first plague was the Nile becoming blood. Notice Did any humans die in this? No. All that died were the fish. Humans and animals were spared. Now, for a long time in scholarship, people wanted to find, they wanted to find natural examples of this. So if you read about these plagues, all sorts of people who don't want to believe that God could supernaturally do this, they want to find natural examples of it. And there are examples of the arise in Mercury in the Nile at different times of the year, but the Bible doesn't say that it just became red. It said it turned into blood. Okay? So listen, if nature can do it, God created nature and controls nature. So let's not let our doubts about the supernatural, because we actually really just trust in the natural, want to keep us from saying that God's doing something supernaturally. You know, listen, I'm all for God using nature. I mean, It's his. He can do what he wants with it. But we don't need to find natural causes to make us feel better about the scripture. It says that God turned the water into blood. This is a supernatural judgment at the hand of God. Supernatural judgment. Now, notice what happens at the end of this plague here. The magicians come and they, with their enchantments, do the same thing. Now, you might ask yourself, well, where did they find the water? Notice they were looking for water. They were digging around the Nile. So the freestanding water turned to blood, but you could easily dig around it as we find in verse, what is that, 20, 24. So they dug around, found fresh water. They turned that. Now, you think about how illogical that is, really, right? It's like, it's like yeah, the water turned to blood. And like, well, we we can do that, too. It's like, well, why do you give us nice pure water, buddies? But that's the way it went. And notice that assuaged Pharaoh's issue with it. Pharaoh, because they could do it, he's like, well, my heart's not moved. But notice this about the magicians. F.B. Meyer said it this way. Alleviation of human suffering is no part of the program of the devil or his agents. That can only come from God through the believing cry of his servants. I pray that we all spend time seeking God to do the miraculous, to alleviate suffering in this world. Oftentimes when God has us praying, then he starts to use us as well. He did that with, with his disciples. Jesus did. Jesus said, listen, I want you to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his field. And then the next chapter, Jesus sends them all out. So listen, don't pray if you don't want God to use you. Okay, so if, if you don't want to go there, then don't come to the prayer meeting. But if you're like, Lord, I really want you to use my life, then come to the prayer meeting. Come. Seek the Lord. Say, God, I don't have a clue what you want to do in my life, but I'm just going to hear, I'm going to pray. And if you're like, look, I've never prayed in public, then don't worry. You can sit there and not say anything, and no one will say anything unless you fall asleep. And then a brother or sister will put give you a pillow, And then I'll pray really loud to wake you up. But seriously, something happens when we pray. Satan never is looking to alleviate people's suffering, but the people of God are always, always looking to find ways to alleviate human suffering. And as the people of God, as Christians, we have a lot of work to do. That's why I think Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because we got a lot of work he wants us to do still. And don't get me wrong, his return is one day sooner than when we first believed. But if he's going to tarry, as I always say, since Jesus is not back yet, let's get to work. We have infinite number of things. There's so much human suffering on this globe, on so many places, areas of all different sizes. Maybe you have a heart for children. Child poverty is a huge problem. Children in Africa dying of malaria because they don't have malaria nets. Let's get to work to try and fix it. You're like, oh, well, Let's forget Africa. Let's talk about what's going on here. Yeah, Portland is a, is a hub city for human trafficking. We need to do some work about that. We need to do work with women who've been kidnapped and gotten involved in that. We need to work with men. Because the reason women get kidnapped is because men will pay for sex. we got a lot of work to do for all of us. No matter how old, how young. How educated or uneducated. God's not looking for abilities. He's looking for availability. And God equips the called. I just took two examples. And we could do this forever. All the different things. Child illiteracy. People dying of starvation. While we're dying of obesity. I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And I'm grateful Jesus isn't back yet. I'm like, Lord, when there is a great issues, then we have great opportunities. To be agents of grace. Agents of reconciliation. The magicians, they're not bringing out nice, clean, cold, purified water. They're just making more blood that nobody can drink. So this is a mess. The Nile is bloody. All the fish are dead. And the place stinks. We end in verse 25. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Now in chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the lord god let my people go that they may serve me but if you refuse to let them go behold i will smite all your territory with frogs so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly which shall go up and come into your house into your bedroom on your bed into the house of your servants on your people "...into your ovens and into your kneading bowls, and the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants." And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt." So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt." And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord, that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people, and they shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses out of the courtyards and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. He did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, frogs. It was the Egyptian god, Heket, H-E-Q-E-T, the goddess of birth, had a frog head. Now, you see what's going on here? It's it's fro It's frogs. Now, you ever have a frog in your oven? Only those of you who are like, you know, foodies, you do delicacies like frog legs. But what he, what he's saying is listen, the river's going to bring forth frogs. Now, you notice frogs aren't necessarily bad. You just don't want them everywhere. Right? That's that's the issue. And he says, listen, there's going to be a supernatural infestation of frogs. That's what's going to happen. Now, you know what's interesting about this? I want to read you Revelation chapter 16, the sixth bowl judgment. And I want, to, I want to just throw something out there for you and we'll let you do with it what you will. But let me read this to you. Revelation 16 verses 12 to 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw... Three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle on that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, you notice this, the sixth bull frogs are coming out of the mouth of the dragon. And if you read the book of Revelation, some teachers will tell you what everything means. And I always laugh because nobody knows what all this stuff means, really. Only the Lord knows. But everybody has a a tried and true interpretation. And this is the only way it's going to happen. And. I'm not so sure about that. But what I do know is I do think it's interesting that frogs are coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, why do I think it's interesting? Because in this whole section, the word frogs, it's actually, in this, it's actually singular. It just says frog. Now, why do I think that's interesting? Because according to the Talmudic tradition of the Midrash, now, I even can even give you, it's called the Midrash says, page 64, Out of the river hopped a hideous, supersized frog. Hashem gave the Egyptians one last opportunity to repent. The Egyptians brought weapons and sticks with which to kill the monstrous frog. Instead of falling dead, it opened its mouth wide and spit out legions of baby frogs. It let out a shrill whistle. And at this sign, armies of frogs came tumbling out of the river, accompanied by the other sea reptiles With huge mouths and teeth, they formed a procession and marched. Now, sometimes if you read the rabbis, you think those rabbis were eating some funky mushrooms. (laughs) But I remember reading that in the Midrash and thinking to myself, you know, that's kind of interesting. Because right as I read it, I thought to myself, wait, one frog came out and all these frogs come out of his mouth. I've read this somewhere before. The Six Bowl Judgment. now you have frogs coming out of the dragon's mouth. Now, I just bring it out there because oftentimes, God doesn't need to recreate the way he judges. It works well once. It works well again. So this judgment of frogs, we're going to see it again. But you see what happens. Again, he goes to see Pharaoh in his palace. He says, let the people go.
1: Jesus is...
0: The meaning of life is a question as old as the stars. People have been asking this question for thousands of years, and yet the answer is all around us. To understand the meaning and purpose of life, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. And then God will open the doors for you to walk with him and serve him. There are at least two things that every Christian should be doing. First, worshiping God with everything they have in our, and second, Telling other people about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is real. I realize that worshiping God is easier than telling other people about it. There's no condemnation. It can be scary. But each one of us has unique roles to play. And one of the things you can do to help get the gospel out is to partner with somebody who wants to tell them. Now listen, I want you to pray. About partnering with Jesus' is Real Radio to get the gospel out over the radio airwaves. I believe that God has called me to proclaim the gospel, and I am a radio missionary. God wants to tell the entire world that Jesus is real. So I'm asking you to seek the Lord about partnering with us here at Jesus' is Real Radio in this missionary endeavor. With your help, we will continue to expand and reach the nations with the message that Jesus is real. Here is Josh with information you need to partner with us in this missionary
1: work. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we do ask that you pray about partnering with us here at Jesus is Real. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option from the main menu. There you can give a one-time gift or support Jesus Is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Again, to support Jesus Is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. And don't forget to join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through God's Word, right here on Jesus Is Real Radio.